0: that's one of the things i feel like doing what areas of law that we do you know you look at people um I listen to some podcasts and I heard one with Elon Musk, for instance, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's really throwing out everything about what we think about space, science, all of it, and saying, let's reinvent it. He's sending rockets to space that are being reused and he's building tunnels through L.A. and all this stuff. And I think about it in the sense of what we're our practice areas. And that's something that does bother me a little bit is to say. You know, is there an opportunity, whether it be in real estate law, business law, to make a profound impact? Can we disrupt the system and change it? Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually there may be right now. I don't necessarily know what that is, um, but I feel like, you know, in certain areas of law, whether it be criminal justice, you, you can make a big impact. And you yeah. can, you know, go to the Supreme Court and change a law. Um But I would be interested to see in our practice areas, business law, probably more so than anything else, is how can we throw out the system, the social contract construct of it and and invent something better?
1: You're listening to the Guys Who Do Stuff podcast. Get unstuck, tell a better story and have a good answer to
2: the question. What are you doing today? Stuff. we have today our first duo morgan perry law david morgan and nolan perry mm-hmm. so say hello guys tell us a little bit about like where is this Mo- morgan perry law yeah, where um is it?
3: it's in my hometown of Fuquay, uh which is where i grew up where i felt like we had some community there and mm-hmm. um this is really a long story, but I'll shorten it. We kind of started scheming in law school. We wanted to do our own thing, and uh, there was some debate. But we ended up in Fuquay, and really never looked back. It's been it's been great. The growth in Fuquay has been awesome, and we. I love what I do. Every yeah, day. what's your
1: guys' growth rate compared to other places in the... It seems like everything's going south and east in your way.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of the fastest growing communities, which was good for us in the sense that we really wanted to be uh, small town attorneys, yeah. but then we're also in a growing community where, you know, there's a downtown community It feels small town, mm-hmm. but you're, mm-hmm. you've are you got the benefit of Raleigh and Holly Springs Apex. What's the funniest way you've heard somebody mispronounce Beclerk? Oh, I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got a censor button on there? <laughs> No. <laughs> it does carry an explicit rating. So. Yeah, so you're good, motherfucker. <laughs> I'll just let everybody use their imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Submit your best way to pronounce Fuquay Marina.
1: <laughs> How long have you guys been
0: in operation? So we opened officially November 2016. Um but really, I guess I think, you know, the beginning of 2017 was when we really hit the ground running. It was about two months of really getting set up. Um, so we're coming up on three years uh, here in a few months. That's
1: awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So, what is uh, my first question? My first thing I want to talk to you guys about is like about partnership, because you guys are partners in a law firm. I'm a sole proprietor. We have a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are small business owners, entrepreneurs. What's the best part and worst part about being in a partnership? <laughs> Mm. (laughs) I feel like I've
3: said this before Maybe I have the best thing About my business And the worst thing Is being a partnership Yeah Like I can't imagine Doing this on my own Mm -hmm. I just really can't So that has been awesome But then it's like And I feel like Nolan has this Exact same feeling Oh I have this awesome idea And he brings it to me And I'm like Eh I don't know And he's like Oh my god This idiot isn't going to do my (laughs) idea And you know I'm sure I have the same feelings too So it's like
1: Yeah, without somebody to bounce that off. Like all of our ideas are great in the middle of the night and we wake up and we're like, check this out. Wait, no, I'm not (laughs) saying it right. So I I think in
3: the long run, we both balance each other out and it steered us in a good direction. Mm -hmm. That I don't know that either one of us would have gone down that exact same journey, exact same path if it was just the one of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like, you know, we uh we approach our business differently. There's certain times when David may kind of just say, hey, we're just going to go with this. And I'm more, I may approach it more in the sense of, hey, we got to make out a plan. We got to write this down. Yeah. And you need a little bit of both. And I think that really helps us. Um, but I, just having that other person to share the experience with is really good too. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to be doing this on my own. I don't think I'd still be doing it if it was just me talking to myself th- through these ideas. You know, I really need somebody to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Um, and I think too, the fact that, you know, Dave and I are really good friends, but we also have our groups of friends outside of work too, where, you know, Josh is a mutual friend of, of ours, but, you know, we're not necessarily seeing each other 24-7. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really helpful. Um, I feel like you can get yeah. tired of somebody real quick. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: and Nolan is a more of a detail-oriented thinker, and yeah. I'm not. I'm more of a big picture. I mean, obviously, we both have some of both, but that's my main drive yeah. is big picture concepts. So in that way it's perfect that we kind of balance
1: each yeah. other out because Did you guys do that on purpose? A lot of business books will say you need that in a business. Mm-hmm. Whether whatever name you use for it, well you need the big picture, you need the detail or whether they call it uh, visionary and implementer, which mm-hmm. is a popular terminology that people use. Yeah. We didn't necessarily join because of that, but I
0: think it was really good that, you know, that just happened to be the case. I just imagine
1: like you guys at 16 running to each other, like you seem like the visionary. I'll be your implementer.
0: <laughs> That's so that totally way. how it went. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the craziest thing I think about our firm and I think David knows the story too, is, you know, I, throughout law school, I knew I wanted to start my own firm. I want to start my own business. Um, wasn't sure if it was going to be by myself or with a partner. And, uh, at a certain point I was taking interviews and I was out, you know, I was in Asheville, North Carolina doing an interview. And decided after the interview, I was like, why am I doing this? I still want to do my own thing. I want to stick with my plan. So I actually called David from the bar of the hotel and have sitting at a bar, just planned out our firm. Um, You'd be surprised yeah. how
1: many of our guests' ideas started in that very look. That story has come up as a repeating <laughs> pattern. At
3: <haven't>. least 80%. <laughs> a great so muse there. I was just <laughs> listening to the interview you did with Joe Motz. Yeah. And, your comment was, yeah, did you come up with this idea right after the idea to start a bar? And yeah. <laughs> Joe's response was, no, he actually already owned the bar we were in, so we had yeah. to skip that one. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely got, I got owned
1: right there, and it was delightful. <laughs> yeah. so no, it was, like, was perfect. Like, my funny it joke? Oh, no, it's his bar? That's
2: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, got to go on the Highlight reel, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: man. I liked it. I liked the interview. He's <laughs> fantastic. The, um, so... <laughs> Do you guys ever find though, because there's like, I was talking to another business owner and there's like the non-glorious side of being an owner operator and business person that nobody talks about. And he was relaying a story that was just a very comical rendition and saying like, nobody sees the side where this guy canceled and you're up at 3am and you don't have time to eat. So you're at the Jersey Turnpike eating from a Taco Bell, (laughs) falling asleep in your car. I have to imagine it's nice to be able to gripe to each other and have somebody with an (laughs) empathetic ear. But does that often ever like backfire and been like, only one of us can be freaking out at a time. Like how do you guys (laughs) kind of find that balance?
0: I think because we deal with different cases, yeah. uh, we're not freaking out necessarily at the same time. David's practice area is distinct from mine. He'll help me with mine. I'll help him with his. Right. But our, our freakouts are a little distinct. We definitely have freakouts. Um, I, th- I think one of the most unglorious parts of being a business owner was when we decided: do we grow? It? Do we add staff? Yeah. Because we talked about that for. I saw you guys have time. a
1: full-time position open on your website yeah. right
0: now. So you decided
1: to grow. Yeah, so we hired a paralegal. <laughs> we're hiring an office
0: administrator. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was one of those things as a leap of faith to say like, hey. Hey, is this going to be beneficial if we do hire this person? Is right. it going to just cost us money or is it going to make us money? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think David saw in my practice area, I was spending 12 plus hours in an office every day. And it was like, something's got to give at some point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and so that was one of the biggest, unglorious sides of it is pulling out the financial statement. What can we do? Right.
1: So wh- what's your guys' focus? Like, what's your focus when you're doing cases and what? Yeah. So, can you can see that I'm pointing. It's <laughs> not <laughs> a pointing or a claw. It's like that's how I point. So I'm wrong.
3: I would say we're a little bit um, untraditional in that almost nothing we do is in the courtroom. Um, so I focus entirely on business planning and estate planning. So that's really like contractually based. Um, I'm drawing up documents. I'm negotiating agreements, um, but not in the courtroom and Nolan is the same but I'll let him talk about that.
0: So my practice is primarily real estate residential and commercial. Um, but I sit in my office, meet with people in my office. We'll travel for, for that. Occasionally we have to go to a courthouse. Um, but it's never in the courtroom. We're going to like a registered deeds office. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. The correct that's, answer was I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll, but <laughs> we'll get it next time. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. no, next, next podcast. Well, that's, that's, that's cool. I'm glad. So David, I have a question yeah. for you. I just got to go on a cool trip with my wife. It was our big anniversary and we got to go to London and we were on one of those double decker bus tours. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned that in London right now, the gig economy or people yeah. that, you know, employ themselves 1099 contract workers now makes up 10% of the, of London's workforce. And they mentioned a number that I've forgotten and I don't want to misquote of what they think it's going to be in a couple of years. And so working with, with business owners and and structuring them, like I got a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. One are are 1099 contract workers in the gig economy business owners. So this is not legal advice.
2: <laughs> disclaimer. We, <laughs> we got a disclaimer. disclaimer. <laughs>
1: and I'm going to give the
3: classic attorney a- a- answer in that it that depends. That we won't be able to understand? <laughs> no, it depends. I would say more likely than not, I would say no.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but it depends on the details. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel because you're not provi- you're not building the systems. So like I drove for Uber when I was in law school. Right. I did not consider myself a business owner because they provided the technology. They were marketing it. People were finding me because of their branding. Nobody knew who David Morgan was. Mm. They just wanted an Uber, right? right? And so I'm just that cog in the system. So I wouldn't have considered myself a business owner. Um, I don't know if that's helpful. Are but. there
1: benefits to like, what are, well, very specifically, what are the benefits of being a uh, LLC mm-hmm. What do you get from doing that and going through that process?
3: So absolutely.
1: I answer this probably every day.
3: (laughs) There's two main benefits. When we're talking big picture, there's a lot of small, I would call nuances that you can benefit from. But big picture, it's two things. One Mm -hmm. is you're transferring your personal liability to corporate liability. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now, the worst case scenarios we can imagine is, let's say, I trip and fall and poke my eye out, Right. And I sue you tomorrow. Well, it's unlikely, but I could possibly ultimately get to your personal assets like Mm -hmm. liens on your home, bad stuff like that. If this is an LLC, then the if I win (sighs) a billion dollar judgment, the only thing I can ever obtain is what the LLC owns, which may be simply equipment. Mm -hmm. That's a lot better scenario than before where your personal credit is ruined, there's lien against your home, maybe. Uh, terrible things like that that will follow you forever. Versus, there, I'll file for bankruptcy and start a new company. Yeah,
1: and then the other one is you get tax advantages. Right, that was going to be my question. and I figured okay. you were going to say it. So, what are the specific tax advantages of being an LLC? Well, is there a point is there like you have to make a certain amount of money to take advantage of these mm-hmm. benefits. So, my official answer
3: would be just take you need to a, talking to, to me, not giving legal advice. Right, yeah, okay. you need to talk to a CPA, and that's what I tell my clients. You need to be working with a CPA. <laughs> I do find um, it's hard to say specifics other than I find if you're an LLC taxed as an S corporation. So most people think S corporation is an entirely different entity. Mm-hmm. And for legal reasons, it's really not. You're a LLC taxed as an S corp or a sure. C corporation taxed as an S corp. But no one's going to say that whole thing. She sure. can say S corp. Um, if, you, if your income um, is in the ballpark of $70,000 per year, you can get huge benefits from being taxed as an S Corp. Anything more than that, I think, depends on the rest of your financial landscape. So it may be true for you, but not true for someone else.
1: Gotcha. Do you find it rewarding to <laughs> work my with, head. with business owners?
3: Like, that's I absolutely feel love it. That is the reason why I got into this business. Yeah. Um, whether it's people come to me and they don't know, they say, I've never been a business owner of any sort, I don't know what I'm doing all the way to, I've been successful up till now. We need to take on an investor. I need to hire a person, or maybe I'm at the end of my road. It's been a great run. I want to sell my business. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy helping people at all of those, even though they're very different processes because it helps them be successful and achieve their goals. And I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's part of the reason why I wanted to be a legal entrepreneur because um, I had already started the nonprofit, which I've talked about a little bit on this podcast before, and it just started this entrepreneurial spark that's still there.
1: Yeah, if you're new to the show and you haven't heard, David has his own episode. I think it's two or three or one. Or it's maybe early. it's one. It could I be one. It's early two. on. I don't it's think early. it's
3: one. It's not one. It's the top three. It's early
1: <laughs> it's on. The top yeah,
2: you're three. The
1: top three. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And uh, you should go check that. Listen to that. Um, so when it comes to things around real estate law, mm-hmm. what are some of the the fun things that you run into when it comes to is there, any, is there anything that you come across your desk and you're like, oh, man, this again... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Every day. <laughs> um, it, I think a lot of it just stems towards uh, real estate law has changed a lot in the past, uh, since 2008, yeah. you know, when we had the financial crisis. Um, so we're running into a lot of people today that are buying homes either for the first time or the last time they bought a home was pre 2008. Mm-hmm. And they're used to it being a very quick, easy process. You're signing yeah. one or two documents and you're you in a home. Um, and, and it's not like that anymore. You know, there's a process. And I think what most people don't understand is, I mean, we're looking at a 30 to 45, 60 day process sometimes with uh, closing, uh, closing on a house from the time you find a home to you're getting the keys and walking in the door. Yeah. Um, there There's several issues that can come up, uh, whether it be, you know, uh, encroachment from a neighbor. A lot of people see, you know, they think, oh, I'm buying a brand new house. You know, it may have just been built and everything's going to be hunky dory. We're going to be good to go with it. And, you know, people make mistakes from time to time. So, right. um, you know, I always encourage people to get a survey. We want to double check things that have already been done in the past. Um yeah yeah, thing, weird things pop up all the time. We, we are constantly dealing with uh, farmland that has now been divided up into houses, and that poses certain issues. Uh, we're dealing with uh, couples that are going through divorce or separation, um, people buying a second home or rental house. Um, it really just depends. Every situation is different. Yeah.
1: I think there's
3: we, a... Go ahead. I would love to break in with a quick story. Um, <laughs> oh, God. This is too good to pass up. Um <laughs> I am sitting with a client. Of course, we won't say any names. And I happen to ask, why are you getting this HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit? Yep. And um, they're essentially using the equity they own. Which to sounds like it. a
1: supervillain, by the way. What <laughs> like a weird acronym. Like, uh, have you seen HELOC? Yeah, That's he's one with the say. metal arm with the weird <laughs> gun. <laughs> oh yeah,
3: my it's
2: fun god, fun it's the HELOC! <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: perfect. Home equity line of credit, yeah. 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 So I
3: happen to ask, why are you getting this? And she stares me straight in the face and says, I'm going to get all new teeth. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no
2: lie (laughs) and
3: my as the business owner my job is to keep a straight face (laughs) when she delivers that line so many people were
0: just like yeah he works in people and people think my my practice (laughs) is boring I get stuff like that every day so
1: (laughs) I was gonna say I imagine a lot of people like A house is probably the biggest financial Mm -hmm. buy there. And that means stress goes up. Mm -hmm. So you're probably not dealing with people at their best when they have to deliver news. Like this is actually going to be a number that you can't comprehend more Mm -hmm. than you thought it was going to be. And I bet they don't always handle that graciously. Yeah, like.
0: And <laughs> you know, in the grand scheme of things, as an attorney, you know, there's a lot of people. There's probably ten people that go into purchasing a house, whether it be your lender, your realtor. You know, yeah. th- there's a bunch of third parties it's that like go into it. It's a team, and you know, things go smoothly when we work as a team. When people aren't working as a team, they seem to be a little bit rockier. Um, but in the, the day, as an attorney, we're usually the the last step in the process. So if yeah. there's anything that's gone wrong throughout the process we're kind of hearing about it right. <laughs> and we're getting blamed for you it deal with like a loaded
1: gun or like somebody in a good mood exactly and, how and so
0: our goal is you know when you leave our office with with keys you're happy you're moving into your house you're ready to go paint some walls yeah. uh, move your furniture in um but you know it, a lot of times we're we're having to smooth things over um but in the end of the day we're usually trying to make people happy about yeah. a house
1: and you mentioned earlier like the the, the way that Fuquay is growing or one of us mentioned it. And I saw that you are on the, uh, you're a chairman on the young professionals board yeah. in Fuquay Verena.
0: Yeah. So, um, I, I'm on the chamber board of directors and I'm the chair of the chambers, uh, young professionals, uh, committee. And so, uh, one of the things I knew that when we moved into Fuquay, David's family is there. I think David's three or four generations uh, living in the area. And so, I grew up in Eastern North Carolina, so I was at a disadvantage. So I was like, I'm going to get involved. I'm getting involved in the chamber, doing stuff like that, getting my name out there. Yeah. Um, and we have a huge young professionals population. Um, we have a lot of larger businesses. The Bob Barker Company, for instance, John Deere has an so area So i heard there. of that. The Bob Barker mm-hmm. Company. They make prison supplies. They make prison supplies. <laughs> so uh, your non flammable mattresses, things like that. But the, it's not employ. the guy with the skinny microphone that got in a fist fight with Adam not. Sandler. <laughs> yeah. I have a question about Yeah, prisons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've never been, so um, I don't know if I'm the best person, but
1: I'll try. <laughs> I, I like that that's the first time that you <laughs> came
2: in with like a serious question. Yeah, like yeah. finally
1: somebody said prison. Stati- <laughs> I heard
2: this thing it says that the number of prison beds that are needed in twenty years is the current reading statistics of third graders. Is there any truth to that? I, I don't know. Have you heard of that? <laughs> I have not
0: heard that, but I mean it's it's probably I, I do know. I am also on the board for a charter school that's opening up in the area. And uh one of the things that, you know, the studies that I've read for that is uh third grade is usually the point where we can tell a lot about people when they read. If if you're reading on a, a reading level that's are supposed to be at third the third grade, um you tend to be more successful you, whether or not you go to college or not. You tend to be um more self-sufficient and people that are struggling at the third or fourth grade level um, or have a greater opportunity to fall off path. And so there's probably some truth to that. I've never seen that, but
2: interesting. All
3: right. So, so <laughs> I've never had the opportunity to tell this prison story, but uh, it seems like a good time. Disclaimer. David's <laughs> never been to prison. Uh, been to prison though. So in law school, we were able to tour I that the worst part of <laughs> <with> the dementors. <laughs> so we toured, Central prison where they have death row, all that. So, I is this in North Carolina? Yeah, it's in Raleigh, it's in downtown Raleigh on (laughs) Western Boulevard. Um, so we went there, it wasn't a far drive. And I asked one of the guards, I was like, Man, you must have like seen some stuff. Would you be willing to tell me, like, what's the craziest thing you've seen? And I I really didn't know what to expect if it was going to be some like crazy violence. He was like yeah that's an easy one for me and he told me this story he said one time they needed somebody on the psych ward um because they were down a man so i volunteered i needed the money so they have this system it's probably supplied by bob barker where (laughs) if you are on good behavior so With so many days in a row, you can have a prize. Well, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest prizes it takes my (laughs)
1: daughter's (laughs) elementary.
3: It takes months and months to earn is a clear um, cassette player. Like I may even I'm. Like a straight-up 80s, like but see-through, so that you can't smuggle stuff in it. Exactly. Right? So this guy must have been good for months and months with no incidents, and he got this on the day this guy volunteers. Um, So he's working, and he watches this guy go to the stand. He gets this um, cassette player. I don't even know if I'm using the right word. It's been so long since I've seen one. He goes into his cell and stares at this guard in the eyes, does not break eye contact. As he breaks down this cassette player and eats in each individual piece. Oh
1: my gosh.
3: <laughs>
1: so uh,
3: oh my. there's no there's no end to that. I don't know what that was about, but that I
1: I, I might have quit that day. What a long-term oh play oh on no. that guy's behalf too. Like the it months is. of planning, and he's like, finally. He was ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder if he was happy that it was a different guy. <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> I like to think he was just really bored and wanted to see if he could like poop it all out and put it back together.
0: <laughs> That's so long, long, long prison sentence. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in law school, I also worked for a federal magistrate judge and got to tour. So I toured Central Prison, but also was able to tour uh, Butner, which is a federal prison in Butner, North Carolina.
1: What an unfortunate prison name.
0: I know it really is, but <laughs> it's the only thing in Butner, North Carolina, is the prison. Bernie Madoff is there. Is he there? Uh, he's. I think he's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Martha Stewart may have been there. She was somewhere. <clears throat> prison for the what stars. What makes Butner
2: a celebrity prison? Well, so Butner is interest,
0: interesting yeah. in the sense that they have high security or medium security is what they call it. But they also have Um, low security, where it's like low jack, I think it's on your ankle, but there's no like prison walls necessarily. Um, But just the difference between federal and state prisons night and day, it's just really interesting. Uh, But one of the craziest things that I learned when I was there is whenever they feed their, uh, their inmates, you know, the prisoners are making the food, they're required to freeze a tray every meal period to, to keep in case somebody gets sick. And they keep it for six months. They can go back and test it and see who was working that day and do oh, it. Okay. So, like it's, so they can oh, wow. yeah, get it's, to the bottom so of it's, where the sickness it's, came it's a from. Very, yeah, it's a very um, controlled uh, environment. It's very expensive to imprison somebody. And that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, uh, that you have so many people right now looking at prison reform, uh, criminal justice reform. Is costs a lot of money to imprison somebody. So it's a very controlled environment. You're, you have stuff like David's story, too. <laughs> but, you know, you're dealing with that <laughs> on a daily basis as well. Right.
1: What got you excited about being a community-based law firm? Like what's the benefit of being community-based as opposed to what I think a lot of people might assume is like, I need to hire one of the big boys or I need to jump in and get some big firm to come in and, and work with us. What's What's the benefit of working with a community-based law firm versus...
2: And so, I think by community base, you mean, and I this is something I wanted to highlight as well is that these guys are out in the community, unlike anybody I know. I mean, you guys are great at that. When I think of, I think of you. So yeah, it's like, that's yeah, I did, I did about, mean right? that. Yeah, every yeah. law firm
1: happens to be yeah. in a community. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. yeah. So, are you
3: asking that from the perspective of why do we enjoy it, or why is it beneficial to the client?
1: I'd like to know both, but I was asking okay. from like, what's the benefit from a client standpoint to be like, why should I work with the local team?
3: Um, I would start out by saying we try and take a, we didn't learn it from anybody else. We tried, we didn't want to reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. but we wanted to invent an approach that would make sense to the client, whether it be the flat fees that we charge rather than by the hour, whenever we can. And that's majority of what we do, um, whether it's how we break things down. So all the time I'll have a business client come in just to get a quote and he'll tell me the quote from the other guy and he won't have any idea what that includes. So I feel like I'm going to add an hourly hourly rate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like for this price, you, this is what you get. And if you add all these things together, here's what you get. And um, just to be able to, I guess one, be very transparent and two, build a relationship with our clients that I feel like so many other attorneys don't. And we chose practice areas that we would love to grab a beer. We would love to grab a coffee with our clients. And you just wouldn't say that if you were a criminal attorney or
0: family law attorney most <laughs> of the time. Um one of the great things is <clears throat> no matter who we're dealing with, whether it be real estate or business law, uh, most of the people that we're dealing with are business owners. We're dealing with realtors that are involved in the community. They're business owners. Mm-hmm. David's clients are business owners. Um, even some of our estate planning, you know, a lot of times we're, we're doing estate plans for business owners. And so, you know, they're very involved in the community. But Fuquay, Southern Wake County, um, and even getting into Harnett and Johnston counties. Is such a a growing place for businesses. It's a great uh, area to to start a business. There's a need for businesses to go there. There are people moving into town in these areas, um, so it's really afforded us an opportunity to connect with people. Yeah, and then also we can make those interconnections. So if David has a client and I have a client that we think that they should meet together, um, you know, we we can make that introduction and it really helps for for a network for us, but also to expand the network of people that we work with. Mm -hmm. And I I
3: say this all the time. We're so lucky because other attorneys are doing just as hard of work and they are helping people on maybe the worst day of their lives. A lot of the times we're with them on the best day. Mm -hmm. So they're starting a business, they're buying a house or they're planning for their future. Right. It's generally happy things. And we get to share that with them. Sure. Um, And I really enjoy that. And there's so many practice areas where that's not true. If you're Mm -hmm. suing someone, if you're getting a divorce, if you're, you know, fighting a charge, that's definitely not the case. Mm You'd often be
1: seeing them on their worst day. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. right. You know, when you were talking, it made me think like I grew up in a small town in As a kid, you think about it in a different lens. Like I thought, like, I I can't get away with anything because this person knows this person. And I know everybody that lives down my mile stretch of road and I can't get (laughs) within 15 miles. Like everybody knows my parents, you know, it's like, and that's just how you run it through that filter as a kid. But I think you get older. And when we moved here and when we moved from uh, bigger cities to smaller cities, you think like there's a real benefit to community. Like the idea that together, if you can help a city get better then the rising tide floats all the ships. Like it's great for everybody. And there's that whole uh, community approach. And and I think now as I get older, I really want to do business with the business that's closer to me. And I want to know the person I'm doing business with. And I wonder if there's like a resurgence in that or if that's just a Joe thing, but I hope there is like that people want to, get to know each other better and have a bigger sense of community. And I think the way that I hear people talk about Fuquay Verina I think that's a big part of what your guys' city is. Mm-hmm. Nobody from Fuquay likes to diss Fuquay other than its name and to be funny. Yeah. Except for maybe the Fuquay memes lady. Has she ever come out and say who she is?
0: Oh, I've, I've met her before. Is, yeah. Yeah. is she funny? So, fun uh, she has facts, to be funny. Fun fact about me. I'm in charge of the Fuquay Christmas Parade. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for coming on my third year, and uh, we had the Fuquaverina memes had an entry in the Christmas oh, parade. Got I got to feature. meet her. So I was able to, to oh, meet Oh, I thought you
1: meant she roasted the Fuquaverina. No, no, no. <laughs> she was in there.
0: And so she'll, she'll be in there again this year. And uh, so I've met her, uh, sworn to secrecy. Cannot yeah. disclose who, who Man, she is. And if you're is? a fan of memes, like if you find
1: them funny, it's a really funny oh, account. It's great. And if you haven't heard of it, you have no idea what we're talking about. There's a city Fuquaverina, <laughs> and it has a reputation of being like a salt of the earth type of community
0: the redheaded stepchild, the redheaded yeah. stepchild.
1: <laughs> and then they'll compare that to cities like Kerry or Durham or Raleigh or something like Carrie's known as like Kerry. like it's yep. a little bit fancier. And mm-hmm. so they'll take really funny memes and just make a joke about the difference between the two cities mm-hmm. and like, they're funny. Have you followed it? Have you seen I it? Seen one like like she's not oh, just like a too. one hit wonder. No, like the majority great. of the memes are funny. Wow. And mm-hmm. so she's got to be a legitimately yeah. funny person. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she she's hilarious. There's always something going on in town, and you know, the way that most people find it out is through Fuquay Memes. There's a meme about it before anywhere else. <laughs> she's more
1: she's more influential than the paper. Yeah, she's well, right. like,
0: where is that? Like on Instagram or Instagram, what? Facebook. She's yeah. on them. I think she has a blog post. Man, so she If writes, she listens
1: to this, if you would like to come on the guys who do stuff, we'll like mask your voice. I'll see if I can connect you. We're all
0: about connecting people. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fascinating. <laughs> yeah. The power that she
1: holds. Because you know, I have gotten news about Fuquay from mm-hmm. the memes page, mm-hmm. just like you said. Awesome. This just how it worked. I saw it on Facebook, or somebody said, Did you see this? Like, it's usually people <laughs> who are in Fuquay that find them much, much funnier than most.
0: It, it varies, <laughs> it can be about traffic. I think there was one a few weeks ago uh, where some neighborhood, the pool, somebody had pooped in a pool <laughs> and it became a meme. Uh, a lot of times it's about traffic, but you know, it varies from time to time. Yeah. So.
1: Do you guys have, like, I know getting to Fuquay, there's a real traffic problem. Is there a real traffic problem in Fuquay?
0: I, I think so. Um, you know, I, I've through my role in the chamber, I've met with uh, some of our town officials and stuff just to hear what's going on. And, you know, part of Fuquay is that it, it grew so quickly. Yeah, rate of growth, I'm sure, affects yeah, that. And there was no way that they could really plan for that growth. And so now um, Fuquay is doing some things where they're, they're able to, to kind of redo some roads, maybe widen some roads and, and try to catch up with the growth as it keeps going. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things and, and Fuquay has taken a really interesting approach when they deal with like DOT and things like that and trying to expedite how, how fast the roads are, are, are improving. Yeah. But most people don't realize it's not a town of Fuquay issue. It's a North Carolina state, of North Carolina issue. It's yeah. a state level entity. So have you, how long have you guys known each other? Like since kids?
1: No,
3: no. I think
0: we met my sophomore year of law, or my second year of law school. Yeah,
3: and so I was one year ahead, but then I did a dual degree. And when I came back for my second year, Nolan was in his second year. Okay, so we did year two and three, and then did the bar all at the same time. Yeah,
0: it was totally the beards. It was the beards together. Yeah. We just bonded. Both had beards. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so
0: how was the bar?
1: Oh, it was terrible. Taking the bar. (laughs) Was it as bad as the hype? Is it?
0: I'll say it was, I think preparing for the bar, studying for the bar was significantly worse than actually taking the bar. But Mm -hmm. I I think it has to be that way. Um, In hindsight, I remember saying, Oh, the bar wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But also remember leaving. I was at McKimmon center in Raleigh, took the bar there. I remember leaving and I don't remember driving home. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I sat on my couch for like two hours without the TV on or anything. I don't think there's
1: there's not a lot of people that have to or professions that have to encounter that level of stress. If you think about it, like I've invested a lot of money, a lot of my life into this profession and what I want to do. And if they tell me if I don't pass this test, I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, to (laughs) me,
3: the differentiator, because a lot of people take hard tests, I think the studying of it. Was like running a 5K versus running a marathon. Like most mm. people today, if their life depended on it, you could do a 5K. Yeah. Right. But
1: you could not do a marathon. It might not be pretty. Yeah. Right? It might not be pretty. But, but yeah, like, like a marathon, it doesn't matter how hard you try. Like right, try. Exactly. Sure. It's exactly. Like run to Fuquay. To me. here where we are. To me, to that ask. was
3: <laughs> the difference. Because in college, I was the type of person who...
1: Probably didn't study well enough in advance, so I would pull the all-nighters, Yeah, right? And it'd be fine. So the tactics that you'd use to be successful in test making were last-minute cramming, and you couldn't apply them.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So that's the best analogy I can come up with, is it's like the difference between a 5K and a marathon. Yeah. Like, you could easily burn out and just crash.
0: But you're spending about three months prior to that test, just from wake to going to sleep, studying, cramming. Mm, wow. um, and I think that to me was, was way more difficult than actually taking the test. Definitely. I think had I not gone through that, the test would have been more difficult, but I was, yeah. I was prepared. All right, right, so
1: big philosophical question yeah. then. Like if you spent the majority of your life cramming before a test mm-hmm. and then you had to learn how to study differently. And so probably like, here's my metaphor that I would like to use for this. I think I find it very interesting that now like the way we read is we read for volume. If you want to be like cool and be a guy who reads, you read a hundred books and people are like, oh, (laughs) you're a reader. Whereas if you rewind like a couple thousand years, people didn't have libraries and a bunch of books and their form of reading or somebody that was learned was like, I've really studied this one book. Oh, and so the question that I have for you guys is, is a question about retention. I know I crammed for tests the way that you defined for a lot of my tests. I remember virtually nothing three minutes after the <laughs> test. Do you feel like the way that the bar made you prepare and having to really live in that for that amount of time has led you to
0: retain more information well first of all I'm going to say Josh is giving you this look like that's never been cool I may have up, overstated so the people's yeah. perception of <laughs> coolness you know like they have people that they always look up to people
1: that read a lot you know like they're esteemed like the rock stars of our culture like oh you read books yeah, yeah. Josh is
0: like I don't know about that I, I may have overstated my damn book <laughs> exactly um, I, I don't know I think I didn't change my study method for the bar that much I, I'm very much a I have to see an outline I have to be able to see the big picture what are we studying in general and then I can learn the individual yeah. things which is how the bar was I would cram but I could cram based on something I had already studied yeah. I was never somebody to pick it up the day before um, so David may be able to answer better
3: I don't know that's a tough question um, I don't think I can answer it but I will say this <laughs> I, and I mean, I don't know. An easy example for me is the Bible. At one point in time, I think like, I would feel like, well, I haven't really read unless I've read like X amount of chapters, right? In yeah. Day. I've completely changed that philosophy where I would much rather read two verses and think about them over and over and see what, like, what depth I can get to sure. rather than, well, if I haven't read three chapters, then like, what's the point? Yeah, I get so much more out of that. And when I realized that it was a game changer. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but I think I go, I would go for depth rather than volume. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's about comprehension, right? Like how you get it inside of you so that it actually, you can apply something that you learned. And I think that's you know, like the rock star readers that I was mentioning earlier that read books all the time. Josh's. I wonder if they're missing that component. Yeah. Like.
0: Well, one of the things about the bar is, I mean, you're studying 10, 15 topics mm-hmm. and, you know, like I had never touched family law prior to the bar, never took a family law class, had no interest in doing family law, had yeah. done one family law case my entire practice, never plan on doing one again. And so in that sense, you know, the retention didn't really matter. I needed mm-hmm. to know it for that two day test. Yeah. Um, but then like real estate, you know, that I I guess I retained more of it because I practice it. And yeah. I've always felt that when I was in law school, you know, I didn't necessarily have the, the top grades in law school because I knew I didn't need them to get what I wanted to do. But for me, an internship was much more valuable, actual practical knowledge, going out there and applying something because yeah. that's just how I, I retain things. The, the idea that
3: our version of truth is cultural. So, Us in the U.S., I think we're 100% geared towards the volume. We want to know like a bunch of facts. But me, having tried to learn as much and understand as much of the culture of Zambia as I can, their facts are narratives, Mm. right? So they don't care how many facts you can say. But if you're talking to the headman, I learned this early on, he's going to give you a truth and a story. Yeah. So... To me, because of our cultural understanding of truth, more people want to read this big, long, and out of this, I'll get 20 facts. Whereas if the headman of the village that we work in were reading it, he would want to come away with one profound story. Mm. So I I, I don't know. The more and more I learn about that, the more I think we need to be better balanced in. We're so geared towards facts. Let's learn more Conceptual stories mm. that can have a deeper meaning, even like multiple meanings. Yeah. Um. And yeah,
1: it, yeah. that's a good point. Like, why do we value so much uh, facts in the U.S. when, like, honestly, we can Google anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um. In all the facts, if you trust Wikipedia, which I do implicitly, mm-hmm. because anybody can edit it, and so it has to be
2: legit. Mm-hmm. Uh. But.
1: It's on the internet. It's 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 on the internet. It has to be true. Just like what you're listening to now. Mm. Take it for exactly
2: what it is. Well, it's cultural because one day they'll look back and say, that was a stupid way to do it. Kind of like with, you know, things in the past, like the four conveyor belts or some sort of things with Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison. People look back and say, that was a stupid way to do it. And then you figure out about Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. I heard that Donald Miller has a great podcast going right now. And it talks about how in the future in the next, in our, even in our lifetime, employers are going to value the ability for a, a candidate to focus because we're so distracted with so Mm -hmm. much knowledge. Yeah. Just focus.
1: I believe that. I think I've heard it said before, and I don't remember who said it, but they were very smart. Um, (laughs) But truth is interpreted through relationships. So like when we're talking about cultural norms, what we know is truth is because of the people that we have surrounded ourselves with. And we collectively agree based on our experiences, what we think truth is.
3: When I realized the cultural implications of truth, I feel like it shook me.
0: That's one of the things I feel like doing what, areas of law that we do. You know, you look at people, um, I listen to some podcasts and I heard one with Elon Musk, for instance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's really throwing out everything about what we think about space, science, uh, all of it, and saying, let's reinvent it. He's sending rockets to space that are being reused and he's building tunnels through LA and all this stuff. And I think about it in the sense of what we're, our practice areas, And that's something that does bother me a little bit is to say, you know, is there an opportunity, whether it be in real estate law, business law, to make a profound impact? Can we disrupt the system and change it? Yeah. And, um, you know, eventually there may be right now. I don't necessarily know what that is, um, but I feel like, you know, the, in certain areas of law, whether it be criminal justice, you, you can make a big impact. And you yeah. can, you know, go to the Supreme Court and change a law. Um but I, I would be interested to see in our practice areas, business law probably more so than anything else, is how can we throw out the system, the social contract or construct of it, and invent something better.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: absolutely. I love what I think it was Simon, not Simon.
2: Simon Sinek. Simon, Simon Sinek. Yeah, not British, Simon Cowell. The British guy, <laughs> with the, the tight black V-necks. <laughs> he was talking about
3: how, I mean, for lack of a better word, enlightened. He feel like he he was when he went and studied the culture of Japan, because Mm. it's one of the only cultures on the planet that isn't very westernized. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's completely true for me. Once you go to a place that has a very different culture and Josh, you can speak to this about the Philippines. Mm -hmm. I'm sure um, you realize, Oh yeah, we kind of do that for no reason. Yeah. And it's almost like being able to look behind the curtain. Sure. So once you realize the more and more stuff in life where you can look behind the curtain You know, I I think you get to what Nolan is talking about where some of these things are so culturally ingrained Mm -hmm. that we're
1: just doing it because everyone else is doing it and we had no idea. Yeah. I have a daughter that's starting high school and I think an, an apt analogy for what you're saying is like I try to help her understand like there's a coolness that you care about in high school that the instant, mm-hmm. like three seconds after they hand you the diploma becomes completely meaningless and doesn't affect the rest of your life. Right. But those last four years, like for some reason you were crippled and paralyzed by the fact that Susie B might think that you sat at the wrong lunch table and had wrong implications about your thoughts about the social structure right. of the group, blah blah blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah 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 which totally just evaporates and goes away. And I experienced a similar thing as a young person. I went on a mission. Trip to a third world country and that feeling of coming back almost is like the same feeling after Mm -hmm. high school. You're like, why, why are we doing so much of what we're doing and why did I value it so highly you get to interact with it? So I got to go to Guatemala, I got to interact with a culture that seemed to have a higher level of joy and contentment with their life and yet weren't pursuing the American dream Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. But seem to have a lot higher commitment or contentment level yeah. and joy. It's and like that in the Philippines, there's no commitment. depression.
2: It just does mm-hmm. no psychiatric treatment for depression. It just doesn't exist yeah. because of all the community. I mm-hmm. mean, a lot of people are poor there yeah. and they're just, mm-hmm. they're happier. Yeah. They're more connected to other human beings. Yeah. And we're so mm-hmm. lonely here and disconnected. It's a, sad and obvious sort of difference. In, well, you
0: know. it's, it's kind of a catch 22 in the sense that, you know, technology has, has made us by far more connected. You know, they used to yes. always, always say like, Oh, millennials, they're always on their phone. Sure. They don't know how to have a conversation. And I said well, that about every generation TV is going to
1: rot these people. Yeah. radio is going to rot but these it's people actually
0: making you more connected with people. You right. can connect with people in the Philippines from America. You can do whatever. Um, but then, you know, it, it does, you know, it makes us more connected. But then I feel like a lot of Americans, we see that some a new cause for depression or a new cause for drama and animosity. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just really, you know, a, as these trends go, a lot of it is still, yeah. you know, a social construct of what everybody else is doing.
1: That is an exciting thing about your guys' profession, because you can think even in American history of when law <laughs> did what you're describing, it was like, I know we've always thought this guys, but turns out like we should change this because it's not true. Like, civil rights for example mm-hmm. like ever, just because we were doing something a certain way and everybody thought that was cool for a 100 years doesn't mean that's what we should be doing mm-hmm. right and that's the role of the legal system is to mm-hmm. say like well let's let's run it through the paces and see if it still holds up today and see if we still yeah think this is what's best for our country and not to get
3: mm-hmm. into this rabbit hole at all but i'll just mention Let's spend the next 20 minutes talking about whatever this is. It's cool rabbinical. to me, and Nolan definitely knows more about this than me, but how the Constitution is like a living, breathing document. Yeah. You know, and how at one point, it, you know, it's always said like every man, but at one point in time, we didn't yeah. literally include every person as every man. <laughs> or we included right.
0: them as part, part of people. Right. Or part of people. Yeah. Some of my favorite. Legal heroes or people that don't necessarily view it as a living, breathing document, but I, I do, mm-hmm. I, I tend to because we've changed it 27 times now. And, you know, we have court cases because things are changed. And um, it, it, one of the things is when the founders, created the constitution. I mean, it was the second document that we had. We had the Articles of Confederation and then we had the constitution and the first one failed. And, you know, we really had to redo this to say, Hey, one, we can redo this, but two, no other country in the world has had a a more successful document. And it really, nobody knew this was going to be successful. It could have failed. And, you know, I don't know if it's testimony to the people here or that we added flexibility to it in the beginning, but most countries that go through what we went through as a country failed. Yeah.
1: I wonder if there was any truth to, because like having one that failed so fast and realizing that it failed, like, isn't that always like the
0: business thing? Like you want to fail fast. (laughs) Exactly. Like USA did it. Like, yeah, we did it. Here's
1: the country guys. We've put a lot of thought into it here. No.
0: Okay. Well, sometimes the opportunities that were there the first time, you know, there aren't the ones that you need to make it successful and I think that's a really, it happened to our country but it's really good for businesses to say, you know, when we first started, we didn't have all the resources and opportunities we needed to be where we are today. They come down the road and, you know, for our country, you know, we didn't have the people in place that would agree to, the current constitution. It, we, you had to have those, those people in the right, right positions. It had to be kind of a, a fate type thing. And I think for businesses the same way, you know, people, people get nervous that their business is going to fail. Sometimes they have to, and out of that you regrow to be something even better.
2: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Well, we certainly learn a lot more from failures than continual success. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. 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 I mean, that reminds me of Gary V and he's like, I love failing. You know, he's famous for saying that type of thing.
2: Yeah, failing um, forward. Yeah, no failing new, forward. No progression without regression. Somebody shared something with me yesterday about the push up. You know, the metaphor of the push up is how do you do a push up? Anybody? You push up. Okay. What is the what are the building blocks of a push up? Ding, ding,
1: ding. I mean you, you, ding, ding, you do a plank ding, and then you move your arms down ding, and then you ding, move them back up ding, ding,
0: ding, 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 I'm not ding, familiar
1: ding, with pushups
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> I know, okay, okay. I, okay, I know okay. what you're that's
1: looking push. for I'm sorry I w- didn't mean to be sarcastic so it comes in a circular tube and there's a thing on the bottom and you Joe. push up
2: and the sherbert comes out the top I'm
0: familiar with those <laughs> so, what you're talking about. so a pushup has a foundation
2: and it's on the foundation it is a series of ups and downs and how many you do determines the, uh, your body change, the change of the body. So there's up and down, up mm. and down on a foundation, Everything like together up and down. The metaphor right. is great.
1: You can't, you're not going to get any resistance training or grow if you're only moving one direction.
2: So guys, thanks for being here. Is there anything else coming up that you want to talk, talk about, tell about, share about? Oh
0: man. Um, not, not too much. Uh, one of the things that we're are sponsoring in our community, just to kind of give a shout out to our fellow community members is um, Pints Ice Cream is having a anniversary come, oh, cool. coming Great. up for it. will be in the past yeah. once we probably get this published, but um, you know, we're big supporters of them. And uh, you know, so we would encourage everybody to go check them out. They're one year old. And uh, so we'll be sponsoring some stuff for their, their birthday party. Yeah. What
2: makes Pints special? Because it is special
0: because it's got beer and ice cream, you can get and, have ice cream milkshakes. and they mix it and boozy it so yeah. the good thing about pints is uh, you know everything is fresh they get their uh, cream from a creamery creamery in julian north carolina um, but all the ingredients that go into it are fresh uh, you know lavender some of the lavender they've used for their white chocolate lavender was literally grown in their yard wow. um, to do that and then uh, they have a really good beer selection you can get beer floats you can do beer floats, beer floats. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, really yep. good uh, boozy milkshakes are some of my favorites what's a boozy milkshake so it is so we have stuff like or they have stuff that's like a uh, Irish car bomb milkshake it's got liquor in it it's got ice cream in it it's got pot there fudge you go, in people. it, that's it
2: that's can't it. beat it yeah
0: that and the uh, we'd love to see everybody come out to the Christmas trade. i got to give a shameless plug for my oh, yeah. my my venture yeah, yeah. but yeah. we would love to see everybody come out for that uh, in december i would like
1: to encourage the Fuquay Verena memes woman to just really cover that like live <laughs> Live stream,
0: no, live stream. She'll be in it. She probably will. She <laughs> probably will. Yeah. And then maybe we can get her on
2: here. I mean, and girl, and if you need Christmas trees, I can hook you up. Yeah, I you know the man. I right. know the man here. I mean, let's talk. Santa let's Claus. Talk. But about the pipes thing, when is that date? Is there an anniversary date? An actual <sighs> 17th. August seventeenth. August seventeenth. Okay, Saturday.
3: Well, in line of the shameless plugs, we got the Christmas trees. We got the Christmas parade. Christmas parade. I will plug that uh fall and winter is around the corner. And people love coffee. Coffee. And Chikandi Coffee is a great place to get it. Yeah. Not only is it single origin, top tier coffee, but it's also for an awesome cause. Yeah.
2: Where can they get it?
3: They can get it at Chikandi Coffee. Dot com. Love
0: it. And we wouldn't, I, I would love to encourage people to swing by our office, 920 Durham Street, and come try it. We always mm-hmm. have some brewed. Um, yeah. We'd love to meet people and uh, let them try some Chikandi coffee. It goes back to uh, David's nonprofit, Love mm-hmm. Abounds. So it's a good cause. And to hear
1: more about the story. Go back and check out David's previous episode. Exactly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, do I,
2: it. Yeah. And do the stuff. And do, do the that stuff.
3: So I have a question for you guys. Oh, yeah, um, We actually don't you know. take questions. We only no. have a yeah. plot yeah. twist. The questioner has become the questioner. Push up, down. Uh, so what have you guys, what kind of stuff have you guys done ever since the inception of this podcast? I know when I first was on here, you guys were talking about training in some fashion. Uh, what's that look
2: like? So thanks for the accountability checkup. Absolutely. That's <laughs> what I'm all about. Dun, dun, dun. Cause, uh, yeah, Joe, you want to start off? Yeah, sure. I think, uh,
1: like, like all up downs, uh, we got really good into it and I was able to do like seven, eight miles I was doing at a time and Very it was nice. doing good and then got busy. <clears> throat> and, throat> and now I'm like, I need to get back on that. But we recently decided like in order to make sure that, and this is a good pro tip for people that want to do stuff. And I think it's just a good life lesson. We didn't book a marathon. Like we should have put it on the calendar and paid money to sign up for one to do it. Because like so many things in life, like when it comes to like doing things that are good ideas or adventures, like the first step is so important. And we were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Like, yeah, we just need to book one. We just need to do it. And then that will help us provide the framework for finishing up the training session (laughs) and get going on it.
2: So, yeah, we just totally dropped the ball on it, to be honest. I mean, (laughs) Mm. I, um, I moved, I uh, bought a house. We bought a house. And so I've, you know, just been life stuff and then running. And I'm just always riding my bicycle. So I did move next door to the American Tobacco Trail. So it's nice. fun. And I'm up in
0: my game again. How'd that home buy go? Was it good? Home buy went great. <laughs> Nolan Perry handed my closing like a breeze.
2: <laughs> so uh, home closing plus over here beside me. Um, so, yeah, that was good. I have been meditating more recently, more, nice. more regularly. And that's been uh, game changing. Just
3: so I I know we're out of time, but I love to ask, what does that look like for you? Because I know each person does it a little bit different. Sometimes I literally just stare at nature, Um, other times it can look different. What's that look like for you? Nature. That's awesome.
2: Backyard. Now I have a backyard. So that was uh, how I found my groove. It's how Stella got his groove back, guys. Wow. (laughs) Backyard chair.
3: So you could say that Morgan Perry Law played a crucial part in you meditating now in a better oh, way yeah. you're welcome <laughs> saved you a For lot of
2: money on therapy
3: <laughs> today. and you can edit this out if i said this in the last one but my favorite definition of focus is being extremely present exactly where you are
2: yeah yeah the present it's a gift
0: It's also a social construct.
2: (laughs) And on that note, we thank you for listening to today's episode of
1: Guys Who Do Stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later.